0: Good afternoon. Uh, You know, it's absolutely unfair that sometimes that you guys have to be at home and you can't be here. Oh man, I'm a little bit emotional, you know, from the praise. So that's what's good. Oh, but I hope it came through in the live, the live stream. You know, I pray that it always comes through. So anyway, welcome to our service. Welcome to our live stream. My name is Eddie Bang. I am the pastor here at Full Life Ministry. It's a great honor to be a pastor here. I love seeing lives change. I love seeing people impacted by the gospel, and it's happening here. If you're not part of our church, you know, welcome. Welcome to our church. Welcome for, you know, thank you for tuning in to us. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, We just really hope that you're already enjoying what God is doing. And so uh, before I get to my message today, there's a few announcements I'd like to share with you. So uh and the first is this uh, i just want to really thank everybody for the past few weeks we've been asking everybody to give their personal information are the mother church is actually creating a database um, and a lot of people are asking questions what exactly is that database about what exactly you know why do we have to give all of our inf- information there's a lot of people who are very like sus about giving their details to the church and stuff like that but uh, i want to thank everybody for doing it thank you so much for giving your details Uh, And the reason for all this, I just wanted to explain it on this to everybody. The reason why we do this is simply because this is a tool that will help us pastor you better. We put all of your information into this database, and what happens is it's organized by CGs, or community groups, and so it's great because, you know, when we put up your name in the database, we can see which, you know, CG that you're a part of. We can actually see your CG as well, so we can, and especially if your photo's there, so we're asking for your photo. You know, we can pray for that whole CG at once. We get to see everyone all together, and it's great. If we need to contact you at all, all the information's there. And, and you know, the Mother Church and we as pastors, you know, it's so big. Our church is so big now that we just really wanted to have a consolidated way that we can actually make sure that everybody is being cared for, and so, you know, the more information that you share with us, the better. You know, hey, I don't wanna give my information, my details to the church. I totally understand. Uh, the, ba- the database is based in Korea. I think it's one that many churches use in Korea. So far, you know, there hasn't been any glitches, but nothing's, you know, fail safe. So uh, if anything happens, I have a promise that we'll get off it right away, but hopefully nothing will. But the more you share with us, the greater it is for us to you, So we can pray for you, take care of you better. And that's what it's for. So, you know, please, thank you for those who, who did it. Uh, please continue to send your information in to your CG leader. If you're not part of a CG, we'd love for you to join one. Uh, it'd be so great. We'd love to be able to shepherd you and love you and take care of you, pray for you. So please join one as well. Um, I have a few more announcements. We are, after a sermon a few weeks ago, one of our CG leaders, Vicki, she decided, hey, why don't we you know, repartner with a ministry called Jesus Cares. Jesus Cares is a ministry that you know, you know, loves the homeless in our city, and it's great. They're based in Deniston. And one thing that we, we can do now is we can actually donate winter blankets, and we can donate sleeping bags, there's a lot of people who are sleeping on the streets without those things and so you know if you have any you know winter blankets if you have any sleeping bags can you please give them to your cg leaders um, it, it doesn't have to be a new one even if it's an old one can you at least wash it and then give it to your cg leader by 14 june by the 14th of june please give it to him or her and then we'll consolidate those things and bring it over to jesus cares together it's just a great way for us to love those who are you know, more vulnerable in our city and, and to love those who are definitely suffering. So let's do that together. Please prayerfully consider it. Please get things ready, and you know, let's donate that together to Jesus Cares. Um, there's a survey that's gonna go around this week from your CG leaders, survey, okay? And, the, and I created this, it was actually created by one of our CG leaders. You know, it was, it was an idea that they had earlier in the year, but I really wanted to take it and run with it. And the reason for this survey, I'm gonna ask everyone to do it within our church. Um, And the reason why I wanted this is because, number one, I wanna know who you are. I'd love to get to know you, so it's an opportunity for you to share who you are with me. But I also want to know your opinions about what full life was in the past. And I also wanna know what you believe God wants to do with full life in the future. So it's a great opportunity for you to share who you are, what you're involved in, what you'd like to be involved in, and where you believe, maybe some challenges that we have, and some opportunities for where full life can go. So please, your your CG leader will send you a link. There's also a link in the YouTube feed right below, I think. There's also, it's gonna be available on Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media we're a part of, we're serious about the survey. Please fill out the survey, it'll help me so much. Who's gonna see the survey? Uh, The access to the survey is just myself and another guy named Andrew. And, but he promised he'll never look at it. So uh, please, you know, only, only I'll look at the answer. So please feel free to write, you know, free, uh, freely and securely. Uh, I'd love to hear your heart. So please fill this out by this Friday. You know, if you have the link, fill it out. It might take five minutes, 20 minutes, depending on how much you desire to write. But I'd love to hear you. So please fill out that survey. Uh, lastly... Joseph Park got engaged. Yeah, he's here today. <laughs> I see. Because of social dis- distancing and all so this type of thing, I'm not going to invite him to come up, you know, but uh, he's actually here. He just wanted to share that with me, and I'm just very thankful. So congratulations, and uh, you'll need a lot of prayer. Okay, <laughs> you know, let's get to our text today. It comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. The Word of God reads, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Any, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you will once again open up the scriptures to our hearts and our minds. And Father, more than anything, we pray that we'll be able to hear your voice. Father, may your spirit convict us of sin. And Father, we pray, return us to you. Give us a heart that wants to be like Christ. And Father, has the courage to actually take steps to obey what Christ might actually want us to do. So Lord, we just depend upon you for that. And God, we thank you that we can just enjoy your word together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So did you ever ask yourself, you know, okay, now, you know, I've become a Christian, so what? You know, what is that supposed to look like in my life? You know, what is me having faith in Jesus supposed to, how is that supposed to change me? You know, what that, what's that supposed to do? And, you know, a lot of people come and ask me that question as a pastor. And whenever people ask me that question as a pastor, I'm always like, what are you talking about? You know, You know, you have salvation now. You know, you have a relationship with Christ. You know, that's like amazing. And then look, look at the church we're a part of. You have all these brothers and sisters that you can now actually fellowship with And hang out with, and to me, a lot of times those things are so awesome that I literally forget all the other ways that Jesus Christ can change our lives. You know, but thank God that Jesus doesn't. And, you know, in our passage today, I'm very, very thankful because the great thing about Jesus in this particular passage is that after sharing these foundational truths about the faith uh, in the Beatitudes and then after sharing, like, this eternally transforming uh, righteousness that not, he not only lived for, but that he died to give us, he now shares with us how exactly that righteousness is supposed to look like within our lives. And the next six you know, verses, or the next six sections of this particular chapter to the end of chapter five, he actually gives us six examples of how righteousness is supposed to look like within our lives, which happens to be our next six sermons. And believe it or not, they all have to do with the health of human life. Relationships, you know, that's what righteousness is supposed to look like within our lives. You know, it it equals healthy human relationships. And it totally makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that it would be about relationships because Christianity was never meant to be practiced in a vacuum. You know, Christianity was never meant to be practiced in your own bubble or in a monastery. You know, you can't be salt and light if you're under a bowl. That's not how it was meant to be. Christianity was always designed. So that we can love God with all that we have and enjoy him in this life, but also to love other people, you know, and to impact other people and to enjoy them while we're here on earth. And so, you know, the thing is, as you grow in Christ, what you realize real quickly is your human relationships greatly affect your heavenly relationships. You know, when I'm fighting with my wife, it's almost impossible for me to actually worship. I don't know what it is. You know, if I'm fighting with her I just can't sing a song like with a clear heart or a clear conscience. It's just like that. You know, yes, honey, I love you. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, if I, if I have a huge conflict with my close friends, you know, if, I, if we're fighting over something and, and just our friendship isn't right, or maybe I have this coworker that just annoys the heck out of me and I'm always stressed about him or her and I don't want to be with them all, through, all day at work or something like that, you know, that affects, I, 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 it's hard for me to get close to God. It affects me, you know? Those, our human relationships and the health of those things greatly affect our heavenly relationship. And I'm sure a lot of you can understand exactly what I'm talking about. So it makes sense that the first focus of Christ, when he teaches about what righteousness looks like within our lives, you know, has to do with brokenness in our relationships. And the one that he chooses to talk about first is maybe the most extreme form of brokenness in human relationships, which is murder. Murder. Okay. And so through this teaching on murder today, Christ is saying that those who have his righteousness in their lives, those who are saved, those who love Jesus, they practice two things in all their relationships. And those are, those are going to be our two points for today. The first thing that they do is they get rid of anger in their lives. And secondly, they always reconcile quickly. Okay, let's talk about the first one. Get rid of anger in your life. I know when I said that, all the married couples are like pointing at each other right now, aren't you? All right? My wife is pointing at the TV. Yes, because married people, we fight all the time, and we're always angry at each other, so that's why don't get married. Okay, anyway, okay, that's totally out of context. Let's get back to the text. Matthew 5, 21 to 22. Here we go. Verse 21 says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire. Now, what Jesus is referring to in this particular passage is the Ten Commandments, right? And it's the sixth of the Ten Commandments that he's referring to, which is do not murder. And everyone in that audience back then, when they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about, they actually knew and probably memorized the Sixth Commandment. And they knew that anyone who murdered would be subject to judgment. They would be tried, or they would be brought before a judge. They would be tried and most likely put to death because death was the punishment for murder in the Old Testament. But then the real shock actually comes in verse 22. In verse 22, Jesus says, But according to God, it's not just murder that deserves death. It's almost all forms of anger and contemptuous behavior that deserves death. Right. Do you see that the punishment for anger in verse 22 is actually the same punishment mentioned for murder in verse 21? The words are exactly the same. And then he goes on to say that if you say rakah, or rakah which is one of the greatest insults back in their time, it was one of the greatest insults that you could say, or you fool, which was like a, a severe critique of a person's moral character, you know, if he says any of those things, then the punishment is not just death but it's hell as well. And I really want you to let those words sink in, okay? If you murder somebody, you deserve death and hell. That kind of almost makes sense to us. You know, it seems almost fair. But then Jesus goes on to say, but if you also get angry at somebody, you know, like I was at my wife this morning, <laughs> I got angry at her. If you get angry at somebody, or if you call someone a name out of anger, or maybe because you feel like you're better than them, or maybe you feel like they're much worse than you. Even if you call someone a name, then you also deserve death and hell as well. I want you to let those words really sink in, and that's really, really huge, right? Whoa, what are you saying, Eddie Bang? Are you saying that God places murder and name-calling out of anger on the exact same level? I mean, is that fair You know, one guy died, the other person just kind of got hurt. Is that fair? I mean, does that even make sense? And maybe it doesn't make sense to some people. But to those who may be victims of anger and abuse, it makes perfect sense. Right? And to those who are victims, you guys know that you don't necessarily have to take someone's life in order to destroy it. You know, I read a story of this girl who's 19 years old. She's 176 centimeters tall and less than 40 kilos in weight. You know, she has uh, constant problems with self-image and even worse, she has terrible eating disorders um, and she practices a lot of self-destructive behavior. And you know, if you constantly talk to her, she'll complain about how fat that she really is and when she's not. And the reason for that is because, you know, when, when the counselor traced back to how this all started, you know, she was playing in the backyard when she was year four, and it was late at night, and her dad was just getting angry at her and angrier and angrier, and then all of a sudden he would come outside, and at the peak of his anger, he yelled something to the effect of, why would anyone want to play with you anyway? Because you're so fat. And those words, you know, that was, that was said out of anger. It set her life on this diet, downward spiral of self-hatred and abuse and you know the thing is she wasn't murdered but those words definitely destroyed a huge part of her you know people in jesus's day they thought of murder as an external act that deserved an external punishment. And murder is a horrific sin, it really is. But what Jesus is saying here is that God didn't give that commandment in the Old Testament just to judge an external act. That external act is actually the culmination and expression of a corrupted heart. Murder starts and is driven by a heart that is filled with contempt. And that contempt is just as destructive and evil as murder itself in God's eyes. So just because no one died doesn't mean no one's guilty. Do you guys get that? Just because no one died doesn't mean that no one's guilty. It doesn't take a physical death to actually fulfill the sixth Commandment and to fill that OT law, fulfill it. The Old Testament law points to a more fundamental problem of murder, which is an evil heart, a heart that is driven by anger and contempt, which we are all guilty of, right? You know, I've never murdered anyone in my life. I've never, I've never killed anybody, Um, but I'm totally guilty. Of wishing a lot of people dead you know I shouldn't laugh about that but even when I was a kid I was growing up and I remember there was this one man that I hated I hated him he was my dad's friend and he would come over to my house or our house and the whole time he would just bully me and make fun of me and poke me and shove me and it was very destructive and I would end up crying every single time I would beg my father not to let that guy in the house but every single time I would end up crying I remember I'd always be crying in my bedroom afterwards you know, my dad and him, they're like laughing in the living room, but I'm like crying in my bedroom. And in those, you know, I didn't even believe in God back then, but I started to pray to God. You know, those bad prayers like, oh, God, let him get run over by a bus, you know, or something like that. You know, you're praying those prayers of hatred because, you know, people abused you and hurt you that deeply. We're all guilty of that. We've all wished, you know, that someone were dead at some time. And even if we haven't, we've hated people sincerely, like deeply. Maybe we even, we even hurt people. Uh, we've gotten hurt by people. And so because of that, we decided, to, you know, I'm going to attack them online. You know, I'm going to say something and I'm going to like assassinate their character online or in public or maybe even in private because we just want them to hurt. You know, we've all felt that within our lives. But according to the Old Testament and Jesus Christ, our hearts, when we do things like that, when we feel things like that, our hearts are just as evil and guilty as someone who committed murder. We are all guilty. So Jesus is saying that all forms of animosity from murdering someone physically to murdering someone verbally to murdering someone even mentally just in your head, those are all driven by contemptuous anger. And it is that anger which is equal to murder in God's eyes. Who here has never felt like that towards anyone in their life? No one. We've all felt like that. Therefore, we are all guilty of murder. So if that's the case, do you now see how Christ's righteousness really is that much greater than that of the scribes and the Pharisees? They just thought it was just some law, external law, punishing external behavior. But Jesus Christ says, no, there's a greater righteousness. That greater righteousness demands you know, perfection and sinlessness and so if we are to operate our lives in his perfect righteousness and this is the difference that his righteousness is supposed to make within our lives then we need to get rid of anger and malice and contempt within our lives but how do we do that and that's the question of questions isn't it how do we do that and how do we do that especially when we know hey when I was before Jesus I was angry and I hated people, but now that I'm saved, I still kind of am angry, and I still kind of hate people. You know, Nothing's really changed. For some people, it miraculously changes. God does something amazing within their hearts. People that they hated before they met Christ, now they met Christ, and it totally transformed. Their hearts are like filled with love. That's great. That's wonderful. I praise that. But for a lot of people, it's not like that. They're still angry, and they're still hurt. The history's still fresh. What do I do? How do I get rid of that anger? And here's the real answer. The real answer is... You can't. It, truthfully, only God can truly bring complete healing to a heart that's filled with that kind of hang- anger and hurt from the past. But there are things we can do externally, you know? And this is a message that I'd like to share with you. You know, If any one of you have ever been hurt very deeply by other people and you have deep, true anger issues, can I please ask you to seek professional help? I was 26 years old, I had, been, I had been a youth pastor for about two years, and a courageous student of mine came up to me after church one day and said, Eddie, I think you have some serious anger issues. And he was very, very serious, and I did. And so I went to a professional counselor for my anger issues, and that person you know, shared with me some practical ways that you know I can get rid of certain things or get rid of anger, that just kinda comes instantly. And then recommended some books for me to read, And that combination truly helped me to control a lot of external anger in my life. But, if I'm very honest with you, um, a lot of the internal stuff was still there, you know? And that's when I knew that you need a lot more than counseling, it's good, though. Counseling's excellent, because it helped me a lot of the practical ways to get rid of external things. But I knew that I needed a lot more grace in my life. I knew that I needed the gospel a lot more powerfully within my life, and I knew that only Christ could change that within me. And so, um, you know, Christ, or my heart didn't really change overnight. My wife and my kids will tell you very quickly that I still have a lot of issues um, in my life. I still have a lot of anger, anger issues, but I have changed a lot. God has changed my heart immensely. And the re- biggest reason for that is, is this. Every single time I fail, you know, every single time that I fail and I drive myself back to God. You know, every single time that I just simply surrender and I fall on my knees before God because I failed again, that's when I seem to encounter the most foundational. That's when I seem to encounter the most foundational, fundamental, transformational truth about the gospel itself. And that's this. It's that in God's grace, all murderers are continually welcome. It's the best part. You know, every single time you fail, you come to God and you realize that his love for you hasn't changed. It's unconditional. You know, he repeatedly forgives you. And that's the greatest. But the greatest part, I think, is that what you realize when you come before God is not that he loves you and that love hasn't changed or that you're repeatedly forgiven. The greatest part is that You know, he wants to reinvest in you. You know, you know that he's never given up. And it's that grace that continually drives me back to him and continually, continually wants me to become more like him. And doesn't matter how much I fail, I'm still gonna try every single day. You know, and that's how we become changed. And that's why I keep going back. You know, all of us need Christ because all of us are murderers. We are, you know. So, you know, my question to you is today, will you just, you know, own up to that? Will you come to God and confess your anger to him? You know, will you surrender that to him? Will you ask God to give you a heart, replace your heart of anger with his heart of love and peace and righteousness? Let's learn how to live our lives in love and to get rid of the anger within our lives, because that is what righteous people Do Let's get rid of anger within our lives. Secondly, let's always reconcile quickly. Let's read Matthew 5, 23 to 26. It reads, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Penny. now verses 23 and 24 here would have shocked that audience they would have you know back in jesus day 2000 years ago it would have shocked them right and may, it might even shock us today because jesus is saying that even if you're in the middle of worship let's say you're in the middle of singing these amazing songs or listening to this message if all of a sudden you remember that you hurt somebody Or that, you know, you practice contemptuous anger against somebody and and there's a broken relationship. He's saying you need to stop the worship now and go reconcile with that person first, right? Doesn't it kind of go against the things that we learn in church sometimes? Didn't we learn that, hey, this is the greatest thing you could do with your life? Well, the worship of Christ, the worshiping God is the greatest thing you could do with your life. And, you know, isn't worshiping God the greatest thing you can do, especially if you're messed up like that? Right? Why would Jesus tell us to stop that, to go reconcile with this person? And the answer is this. The answer is because reconciliation means that much to Jesus. Right? Jesus values reconciliation that highly. And if you really read this verse over and over again, I think the Spirit's going to talk to you because this is what this verse is actually saying. If you really understand what Jesus is saying, this is what he's saying. He's saying that if... You have a broken relationship, and you don't want to reconcile, but yet you come to church to worship, the worship of people who refuse to reconcile is not real worship. It's not acceptable to God. It's a sham, right? That's harsh, isn't it? It's fake. It's not real. And this is the reason why, right? If you refuse to reconcile your broken relationships, then how can you think? That your worship of God would be acceptable to him. That either proves that you missed the whole point of Christ or that you don't know Christ at all. Because if there was anything that Jesus Christ was about, it was about reconciliation. He became a man, he died on the cross so that he could live out this perfect righteousness, so that he could reconcile enemies, reconcile sinners back to God if there's anything that he's about it's reconciliation and if there's any fruit that we should be showing within our lives it should be exactly that reconciliation right reconciliation was his whole purpose therefore reconciliation is the fruit of those who truly know him and truly love him reconciled people reconcile with people Those with Christ's righteousness seek to reconcile all broken relationship within their lives. So why should you leave right in the middle of a service to reconcile people? This is it. Reconciliation is the worship that God wants in your life. Guys, get that reconciliation is the worship that God wants in your life? Life Now, when he says to reconcile, he doesn't mean reconciliation sometime later or second reconciliation tomorrow. He's saying reconciliation today, right? Reconciliation now. Let's look at verses 25, 26. He says, settle matters quickly, right? With your adversary who's taking you to court, do it while you're still on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, You will not get out until you've paid the last penny. The point that Jesus is making here is that the longer you wait to get things right with your friend, right, the greater price you may have to pay as a result of that. Isn't that really true? You know, in my last year at uni, I had a huge fight with my best friend. This is my last year at uni. And, you know, and our relationship became broken. It was hugely broken. And what's really funny is that particular Sunday... Our pastor preached this passage, and we looked at each other. I remember looking at him in the middle of the service, and we knew that we had to talk to each other after the service. And so after the service, we went home, and, you know, we decided to talk things out. But instead of, reconcil- instead of reconciling, it, we just fought a lot more. You know, we said stuff like this, and you probably, maybe you've done this. You know, this is, I remember we said stuff like this. We said, you know, I apologize if I hurt you or offended you, but I don't apologize for what I said, you know? Because, but I apologize for the way I said it. But let's face it, you're still a jerk, and I'm sorry that you are. (laughs) You know, this is what, and, and you know, we fought that day again, and after that day, we didn't talk for eight years. Eight years, 22 years old, 30 years old, right? It's huge. I saw him when I was 30 years old. I forgot where it was. And I remember we, we saw each other in this worship room. I think we were, at, we were at this church. And we saw each other, and I know we wanted to run to each other, but men don't do that. You know, so we had that awkward look, and we walked to each other. <laughs> and then, you know, we just hugged. And I swear we were both, like, you know, tearing up. It was just very humid in that room. You know, and, and we were just starting it, to, it was, it, was, it was like that. And in our hearts, we felt it. You know, this great regret. You know, we had wasted, we don't even know why we were fighting, but we knew that we had missed out on eight years of each other's lives, and it was the worst, you know. We made up that day. We don't even remember what we fought over. We pray for each other now, you know. I communicate with this guy at least like twice a year. He's still in the States, and we communicate, and it's so wonderful, but if I'm honest with you, it's not the same. There's something profoundly still missing, and that's because we missed out on all those years, And that's the price that we paid for not reconciling immediately. You know, if we had just reconciled immediately, I don't think there would be any regrets. We could have literally had a deep and full friendship that supported each other, you know, all throughout the years. But we missed out on that chance because we simply chose to be, I don't know, prideful or whatever it is. We just chose not to reconcile. You know, we kind of thought that staying in our positions is a lot more important than our friendship, which is absolutely stupid. So always reconcile quickly. So how is righteousness supposed to change the life of a believer? Number one, he seeks to get rid of anger in his life knowing that it destroys relationships. And secondly, if he currently has any broken relationships in his life, he always reconciles quickly. Okay, what I'd like to do is I want to close my message with a few points. Um, There are two questions that people always ask about this passage that I'd like to answer for you today. And then I want to share... Uh, just some practical steps on how to reconcile with somebody, okay? The first question is this. People always ask, is anger sinful? Is all anger sinful? And the answer is no, it isn't. There are certain, there's one type of anger that actually gives worship to God. Right? And that's anger against sin and injustice. You know, and we can just look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ actually got you know, angry a few times in his ministry. And if we look at the times where he got angry, we can understand what, what God is talking about. Jesus, you know, he walked into the temple one day, saw all these merchants and money changers robbing people. So he overthrew those tables. He got totally, you know, angry. And the reason why is because these guys were robbing people of a relationship with God. Jesus got angry at the Pharisees when they criticized him for healing on the Sabbath. And then he also called them blind fools. Didn't Jesus say not to call people fools? But he called these Pharisees blind fools for teaching people to worship their religion and not God himself. So there were some serious eternal issues on the line here. Every single time Jesus Christ got angry because he was angry at sin. He was angry that people were trying to steal a true relationship away from others, you know, a true relationship with God away from others. He really wanted to speak speak out against those injustices. But what I also want to point out to you is that, you know, every single time that Jesus Christ himself was insulted or accosted, he never retaliated. You know, he never took revenge. You know, a lot of times we get angry at people when they insult us or when they hurt us, and then all of a sudden contempt, it like burns within our hearts against people. That anger is sinful, but Jesus Christ never did that, right? He never did that. Even when at the peak of like the point where we would have been completely angry, you know, he was like unfairly tried and accused. He was beaten. He was even crucified, And while he was hanging on the cross, I would have like spewed everything negative and evil. But what did Jesus do? He prayed. He prayed to the Father, and he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." You know, Jesus Christ never sinned in His anger. So, is there an anger that is that you know? Is all anger sinful? No, it's not. There is an anger that actually gives glory to God. You know, which is holy and righteous anger against sin and injustice. Secondly, the question people always ask is, should I still try to reconcile with a person even though I know, Eddie, I know, I'm convinced that that person will refuse to reconcile with me? Should I even go, should I even try? And the answer is, yes, we should, right? And truthfully, here's number one, truthfully, well, first of all, it's because Christ commands us, go reconcile with that brother. Secondly, truthfully, you don't really know if that person will refuse, you know? I'm not saying they're gonna refuse or not, but you don't know until you go, right? I know there's a lot of people in my life, who, you know, we, when we, whenever we had conflicts, we were just too prideful to make the first move. You know, I'm thinking the whole time, oh, they don't wanna you know, reconcile with me, but it's simply because I was too prideful to even initiate that conversation. You just never know. Go and reconcile with that person. But even if you do get rejected, let's say it's true that that person refuses to reconcile with you, it's still okay, because God is pleased with you. You know, Jesus Christ got rejected so often. His love got rejected by people so often, but still he tried, and still he tried to love, right? We are to do the same. So the application that I'd like to leave with you today is very simple. Go reconcile with people. If there are people in your life, if there are faces or relationships that came to mind as we're speaking this passage or as I was preaching today, you know, maybe maybe that's God speaking to you. Go and reconcile with them immediately. But how do I do that? How do I do that in a way that honors God? Let me give you three practical steps and then I'll close my message today. Number 1, admit your anger to God. Right? Admit your sinfulness in that relationship, ask for his forgiveness, ask for his power to change you. And the reason why I want you to pray and surrender to God is not because we're supposed to pray or surrender to God. The whole point of praying is so that God could change your heart, right? There's no point saying, I'm going to pray because God told me to pray. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to go blast them. No, the whole point of you praying is so that your heart can change, right? So that you will want reconciliation well you know pray until you know and feel like you know no matter what happens in that conversation I want to reconcile with that person that's got to be your greatest desire because that's what God wants in your life okay Uh, pray until your heart is free from fear judgment anger secondly if you did something wrong in that relationship go to that person and specifically tell them what you did wrong how you hurt them what you did to sever that relationship. Admit your sin to that person, okay? You know, um, if that person hurt you, go to that person and say very, very clearly, this is how you've been hurt. But not with a heart for revenge, but with a heart for reconciliation. And share and show them and tell them that you want this relationship to be reconciled. But the thing is, you did hurt me in this way. Psalm 66, 18 Says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. What is he saying? He's saying, don't cherish sin. Don't cherish judgment in your heart. Don't cherish that towards one another. God's totally against that. He wants rec- reconciliation. And lastly, thirdly, here's the third practical thing do it immediately. Ephesians 4.26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So what does that mean? Do it now. Reconcile now before you have to pay a greater price tomorrow. Why do we have to do it now? In verse 27, Ephesians 4.27, it says, So as not to give the devil a foothold. I'm going to comment about that in a second. Hebrews 12.14 also says this. It says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. You know, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So what these verses are saying is that if you let anger and resentment and contempt remain in your heart, reside in your heart, you know what that does? It gives a devil a foothold in your heart. If you don't make every effort to be at peace with brothers and sisters in your life, then God has every right not to show himself to you. You know, human relationships greatly affect our heavenly relationship. Some of us are spiritually dry. Some of us feel like we're spiritually distant from God. Perhaps. Maybe it's because of an unhealthy relationship within your life. Maybe there's an unreconciled relationship within your life, and God's just simply withholding himself because you refuse to reconcile. Let's change that today. right? Reconciled people reconcile with people god's calling all of us to live out a greater righteousness within our lives and that's his righteousness and we do that not by outward acts of religiousness and all that kind of stuff but we do that by loving god with all that we have and loving our neighbors as ourselves and specifically within our passage today it's saying that we need to take genuine steps to get rid of anger and malice and contempt within our hearts and to do everything that we can to live in reconciled relationships with other people. This is what a righteous person looks like in God's eyes. So let's do everything that we can to be righteous in our relationships. Let's pray. Reconciliation is the worship that God wants from you reconciliation is the worship that god wants from you today's prayer point i'm just going to you know invite you to prayer very simply if there's anyone that you need to reconcile with pray about that right now you know ask god to change your heart to give you a heart that desires reconciliation that wants to forgive that lets go of the anger and the hurt so that you can go and reconcile that relationship. The longer you wait, the greater the price you're gonna to have to pay tomorrow. Don't do that. Reconcile today, right? This is the worship that God wants from you. Let's live reconciled lives together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you sent your Son so that we might be reconciled to you. We were enemies. We hated you. But you took the initiative to come and to reconcile us back to you. We thank you, God, that not only did you send your Son to forgive us of our sins, but you sent your Son to die upon the cross so that we could have his righteousness, so that we could live out his righteousness within our lives, which means that we need to live out that same reconciliation that you brought to us, that same reconciliation that you showed and modeled for us. Lord, help us to want to be that reconciliation to others to live in those reconciled relationships. Anger and malice, contempt, those are the ways of the world. Those are the ways that the evil one continues to have footholds upon our hearts. Lord, help us never to let him do that. But Lord, help us to be men and women who truly love you more and want you more and want you to reign over every single one of our relationships, God, in our families, with our friends, with our workmates, our schoolmates whatever it might be lord we want the righteousness of christ to reign over those relationships so lord i pray god that you would do that give us the strength the courage to do that lord heal There are so many hearts i know that are listening that are watching there are so many hearts god that are in pain as a result of hurt anger malice contempt that they've experienced within their lives lord i pray father holy spirit work upon their hearts god so they may be convinced that truly you are our great healer you are the great physician god and only through christ and through the spirit can we truly be healed completely of all of those hurts and pains and father we pray that you would redeem those hurts and pains in ways god that the gospel gospel can be magnified through their lives lord we pray for that and god we just depend upon you for those things Lord, we thank you god that you are our hope help us to be men and women that truly live out your righteousness by getting rid of the anger, the malice contempt within our hearts, and to truly live out these reconciled relationships so that you might be seen and glorified in us. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.